Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2017, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page 34 and we'll be studying paragraphs 1 and 2 today. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Beatrice C., The 12 Traditions, Patty F., and reading the text and support is John K., Sherry K.B., and Gina R. The reference numbers, one for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting is 9894, 9894, and for today's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, May 2nd, 9896, 9896. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice C. to please read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Beatrice C. from California, compulsive overeater. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Beatrice. I will now ask Patty F. to please read the 12 Traditions.
star one, Patty F. Hi, this is Patty F. I'm a compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all of our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Patty F. Appreciate that. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 34, reading paragraph 1 and 2, commenting on both. And I will ask John Kay to begin our study and our reading. Thank you, John. Good morning. Uh, My name is John Kiernan, recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. As we look back, we feel we had gone on drinking many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anyone questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving liquor alone for one year. He's a real alcoholic and has been very far advanced. There is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more, becoming serious drinkers again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. We think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. For those who are unable to quit drinking, uh, 
We're unable to drink moderately. The question is how to stop altogether. We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether uh, such a person can quit on a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which they have already lost power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us feel we had plenty of character. There is a tremendous urge to cease. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it. This utter, utter, utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Wow. Well, you know, to me, this is this is Bill pounding home the first step in understanding it. As, uh, Somebody said to me when I first came to my first program, hey, if you could have done this yourself, you'd have done it by now. And I know that was certainly true for me. And uh, I, I, I tell this funny story sometimes, and I know it's a different program, but it's the first one I came to. Um, and I remember coming in, and I was still you know, debating on whether I, I had a problem, which is so funny, because if you're in any 12-step rooms, considering whether you have a problem, you've probably had the problem for a long time. <laughs> but I remember saying to the guy, well, I don't know. You know, last year I stopped drinking for, you know, about four or five months. Uh, it wasn't that hard. And then a couple months ago, a month or two ago, I stopped for a couple of weeks, you know. And the guy looked at me and said, you know, somebody who doesn't have a problem doesn't have to keep stopping periodically to prove to himself that he doesn't have a problem. And it was absolutely true, you know. And when I look back at my life and I think back of all those efforts, it was all those efforts that I'd be able to do it. I mean, I just did. I mean, you know, right here where it says, you know, some will be drunk the day uh, the, the day after making these resolutions. Heck, you know, I, I'd be lucky if I could make it to 10 a.m., you know. Oh, that's it. Tomorrow I'm not going to do that. And, you know, when I was working at a regular working job, but by myself at that uh you know, the machine at, at the, that had the goodies at, at 10 a.m. And that was it. I was off to the races, you know. Um, you know, I could not get this on a non-spiritual basis, you know. But, and that's the, you know, and he talks about it here, the nature of addiction. It's so hard for people who don't have it to understand this, you know. The whole idea, as Lori says, you know, we can't stop once we start. We can't stop from starting again. And it's so true because... It just seems, it's so counterintuitive, you know. I'm a, my wife's a psychologist, and um, she was working uh, down at the UCLA Torrance Hospital uh, helping the doctors understand things psychology-wise. And they had a guy who needed a liver transfusion who was at that time a slightly recovered alcoholic, uh, had, uh, had let, and he had to make it a year of sobriety before he could be put on the list to get a liver. He was dying. And he drank about 10 days before the end of the year. And the doctors went to my wife and said, how, how, why, why? Because these are smart people who don't have addictions, and they just couldn't grasp it. And I said, that's the nature of addiction. It doesn't matter how much you want it. And I think of so many things in my life that I decided to stop doing and never had any trouble stopping. I didn't, like, the next day go, oh, I'm going to start doing it again. With two exceptions. Those were my two substances. And that's the nature of addiction. And we're finding out more and more every day, and that doesn't it, scientifically that this this stuff is based on on scientific things. But it's still not going to help me. It just helps me understand this is all failing. This is I am an I have a disease just like people have epilepsy, just like people have cancer, diabetes, and I just need to do the treat, treatments right here in this big blue book I'm looking at right now, 
And all you have to do is the key word for me, surrender. I cannot negotiate. My disease wants to let me negotiate. I need to do the first three steps, which is A, I couldn't do it myself. B, there is something out there that can help. In the beginning, it's just people who can do it and you couldn't. And three, ask for help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. It's time to open it up for others to share on these two paragraphs, page 34, 1 and 2. Who would like to comment? Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Sylvia F. Sylvia. Anyone else? Star one? Okay, thank you. Kathleen O and then Leia Sylvia F. F. Leah S. I'll squeeze you right in there. Thanks, Leah. Hi, Kathleen O. Good morning. This is Kathleen O recovered in California. And the utter inability to leave it alone. Oh my gosh, is that me? I tried for decades to win this race against my addict. And I just couldn't do it. I, I, I wanted to do it. I tried to do it. I was successful on several diets and lost weight. But that mental twist would kick in and I would think I could control it. I had lost some weight and now I could control it. And I never could. You know, I have found that I feel like I'm in a race with my addict constantly in the sense that if I practice these principles, if I do these steps, if I stay connected with my higher power, I can stay ahead in the race. There's never a finish line, unfortunately. But there is a finish line when I rest on my laurels and think I can control it. And that's that mental twist. It's like, well, I think I can control this one little area. And as soon as that happens, the addict takes off and finishes the race that there's no way I'm ever going to finish it. And I'm never going to win ever, ever, ever. So I have to remember every day that I'm powerless, surrender to this, to um, my higher power and this program, because it really does work. And it's such a miracle. It was so wonderful to be able to find out what the problem was that I had an allergy of the body, an obsession of the mind, and to find out that there was a solution. I mean, I had never found a solution before. Somehow, for the real, true compulsive overeater, this solution works when nothing else ever did, and that is staying connected with my higher power and staying abstinent and working these steps on a daily basis. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Kathleen O. Sylvia F. Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service and so nice to be on the line with everyone here. This is Sylvia F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in California. I, so when I read this, what I remember is, uh, I've told this story before, but I was, we were traveling in France with some friends in the south of France and, and we were on a boat and we were going into the, into the um, little uh, villages and they had this book on board the boat and it was about how um how basically carbohydrate turns into sugar and how we're addicted to sugar and 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 it explained weight and it was it was a really good scientific book and so i made the decision that ah this is my problem i understand now this self knowledge i understand why i can't stop eating and and uh why i'm obese 
you know, basically I'm feeding myself grains like a cattle. So I, it's all, you know, logical in my head. So I make a decision. I make a decision that morning that I'm not going to eat any more refined uh, flour uh, on this trip. It's like, ah, this is the problem. And so um, I made the decision that morning and I felt so convinced, you know, and by that lunchtime, right it was sometime in the afternoon, it wasn't just that I wanted it. It's, it's you know, if, if you're a, a real compulsive overeater like me, I had to have it. I actually felt sick. I, you know, I had a headache. I was lethargic. I was depressed. I mean, I was already, because I've been beating myself so much of it probably. But the point is, is that I made a decision and it didn't matter. I knew it was hurting me and I couldn't put it down. And I didn't know then. I wasn't a program. I didn't know I was a um, compulsive overeater at the time. I had no idea what the problem was. And I had announced to everybody, boy, I'm not going to eat any carbohydrates. This is terrible for me. And they were all laughing by afternoon. And I had no idea what the heck had happened. And I just said, you know, I just can't do it on vacation. I'll do it when I get home. And um, it was many years before I could figure out um, uh, what I had and what the treatment was. And so, you know, in, in the steps, we say we have to make a decision. That decision is, like John had said, it's a decision to surrender. I can make a decision to put the food down, and I won't be able to put it down, but I can make a decision to surrender, and I have a hope, surrender to the program, to the steps, to God, to the fellowship. That's the only way I get success. I can make a decision to not eat any food when I have to when I go out to um, an event this afternoon, and th- that's not going to work. I'm a compulsive overeater. I have to surrender, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Sylvia. Leah S. Thank you so much. Thank you. I never usually come on to this meeting, and I decided that I must share. And um, I'm so happy that you gave me this opportunity now. My name is Leah S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn. And um, I just want to share about um, finally getting it, finally losing the weight, and finally living in, 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 in the 12 steps. And I mean 12 steps, not only 10, 11, and 12. And uh, finally doing it and just being on a high. And the... the um, the disease is so cunning, it is so baffling, and it is powerful. It's very powerful. Um, I had had, this Saturday, I had had some disappointment. And the way I, I deal with this disappointment is usually right away I connect to my higher power. And I just mentally uh, sometimes do the, uh, the work before I even reach out because this is like automatic for me. And it happened, and yet I was beating myself over the head about it. And all of a sudden I realized that it was taking up all of my brain. It was, it was like a tape recorder. You're so, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Did you do this? Did you really do this? And then I said to myself, oh, my God. God, where are you, Leah? Get off your high horses. Who are you? 
And that's when the humility hit me. And it, it came to me, humble yourself. You, are, you have a gift. You have a gift that this craving had disappeared. And then in one split second, the craving came back. Just like that. Why? Because I think I am perfect. I think I am high, way up high, because I've been given a gift. And I make sure now to really thank my higher power for that gift. I have a gift of abstinence. I have a gift of dealing with my life, with my trials, with my tribulations. And I'm so grateful to this program. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Leah S. I would like to open up the lines now for additional people to share. I'd like to take four more so that we can pause for a brief announcement. Who would like to share? Jody EQ. Hi, Jody. Hi. Anybody else? Star one to unmute. Gina R. Hi, Gina. Thank you. Karen T. Karen T. And one more. Ginger C. Hi, Ginger C. Okay. Thank you so much. So we have Jody EQ, Gina R., Karen T., and Ginger C. Hi, Jody. Good morning. Hi, Melanie. This is Jody EQ, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in California. So um, let him try leaving liquor alone for a year. If he is a real alcoholic and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our drinking, we occasionally remained sober for a year or more. I don't think I ever remained abstinent for a year or more in the early days of my eating. My eating started as a child. Sugar, flour, those were my main alcoholic foods. And I never went a year without them. Are you kidding? Um, It was inconceivable. When it first was uh, suggested to me that I abstain from sugar and flour, which was not right away when I started away, I was appalled at the idea. What? It, It filled me with fear. It was just like the idea of that was frightening and felt it impossible, felt impossible for me to abstain. But then when I finally did get abstinent, oh my God, what a revelation it was. Be free, be free from those alcoholic foods. What had struck me as so terrifying was the greatest gift of my life, to be free. And those foods that called to me, that to which I was a slave, and also for me, caffeine was also an addiction. So um, I had finally the desire to stop. I didn't at first. Even after I came to OA, I didn't have the real desire to stop. 
But finally it came. Thank you, God. And today, I am so grateful to be abstinent. I am so happily abstinent. I am not tempted at all. I'm grateful to be a compulsive overeater so that I don't have to eat those foods on a regular basis anymore. Thank you, God. Thank you for this program, and thank you for a vision for you. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you, Jody EQ. Gina R.? Good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service, and hello to everybody on the line, especially uh, the newcomer. Uh, This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Colorado. And the reason I especially want to say hello to the newcomer, whether you're someone who's been in the rooms a long time or someone gave you this phone number to call in and just see what's going on, um, I am an example of what can happen when you do surrender and um, turn your your mind and your will over to this power. Um, It was about this time last year that I was um, definitely in the midst of the end of, uh, I think, my bottom with this situation. Um, I, I was not journaling at the time, but I do remember just feeling like I did not want to go on. I did not want to get out of bed. I did not know how I was going to get through um, the day just doing even simple things such as um, taking a shower, brushing my teeth, let alone thinking about what I needed to do um, for my career and my job and my family and all sorts of other things. And I had somebody in my life who Uh, was in this program and and working the steps in a vigorous way with respect to um, her eating. And she just uh, gently but persistently kept reminding me that there was another way. And one day, it was actually on the, the 16th of the month, um, I decided to um, text her and tell her that I was I think I'm ready. And bringing it back to these paragraphs, um, I I was coming to the point where I was realizing that where it says, though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. That's what I was realizing is that I could stop certain things for a while, but the only thing I could do in the in-between time was think about when and how I was going to eat them again. And I, I could not understand it. So I know for sure that, that I've got this ism. And for a long time, I felt that it was being done to me. And now I know I have a loving creator who has allowed me to be created in this very special way. And this is being done for me. I don't know why, and I don't have to explain it. All I need to know is that I I have this, and the point for my life today is to continue to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, work these steps, and share it with others. Thank you for letting letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Gina R. Karen T., your turn. 
Hello, this is Karen T. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service. Thank you, everyone who's on the line. I'm Karen T., recovered compulsive overeater in Louisiana. And um, I have had four relapses in this program. And this sentence, there was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. I remember... um, I had been abstinent for a year, and then I went into relapse. And I have this <clears throat> memory of uh, kneeling down in front of this dresser. I could see the dresser in my mind right now. And I had this huge wish that says in the bottom of this, to cease forever. And I really wanted to be abstinent. Tremendous urge. And I remember saying to my higher power, God, which part of steps one, two, and three am I not doing right? Why can't I get abstinent? Why can't I get abstinent? And um, I was not abstinent that day, um, but I was eventually. Um, Never did figure that out. I believe abstinence is a gift. And then fast forward to my fourth um, relapse. Um, you know, this inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. I had the wish, again, to be abstinent, but something happened and I felt like it was necessary. When I was binging um, in this fourth relapse, I um, had a newborn baby and my binges made me so, so selfish. I just wanted to eat, and I didn't want anything to get in the way between me and my food, and that's what happens to me when I'm not abstinent. And one day, I had this, you know, this thought that that, that my new, new baby was annoying, and I wished that the baby did not exist, and that scared the dickens out of me because I had wanted to have a child for years. And um, so that helped with this necessity. Oh, my gosh, I need to be abstinent. Um, I, the food makes me so selfish. And I had been in OA for eight years at this point. And um, I did get abstinent after that eventually. But I think that was a necessity. That was, you know, that was my example of how great my necessity was, and I had a wish at that time, but I still couldn't leave it alone with needing to or wishing to. We have to have a spiritual basis, Um, and I could not quit on a non-spiritual basis. So I'm a real compulsive overeater, and um, I need to enlarge my spiritual life each day and work these steps like my life depends on it, because it does. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Karen T. Ginger C., and then we'll pause for a promo. Hi, Ginger. Hi, Mel. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um, I love this sentence. We think few to whom... Oh, I'm Ginger C., recovered in Colorado. Uh, but we think few to whom this book will appeal can stay dry anything like a year. Some will be drunk the day after making their resolutions, most of them within a few weeks. You know, and I just think about that being dry for a year. 
and that's a, it's that word dry is pretty powerful. You know, to me, that is somebody who's not happy, joyous, and free. That's how I used to do this program when I thought I had abstinence. Don't you know, sugar was sneaking in sideways all over the place, but I wasn't eating candy bars and Coke, so it was okay, and I was abstinent. And I was miserable. I was absolutely white-knuckled miserable. And a lot of the times, the day ended at 6, maybe 7 o'clock, just so I could claim another day of abstinence. And thank God, again, for every beautiful bite and all the research that I kept going back out to. Because that's when I finally came back in that day and I completely surrendered. Whatever I'm doing, it's not getting me very far and I'm miserable. And not only am I miserable, this food is killing me. I was 24 years sober and although it was lemon heads in my nightstand, I felt like I had a bottle of vodka. The sugar had taken me so down. The incomprehensible moral, the moral, uh, I can't think of the word, but you guys know what part I'm talking about in the book. Um, So again, you know, I'm just so amazed, you know, again, thank God for vision and this clear message. Yes, I have an allergy. And if I ingest these foods or these behaviors, I will most likely be back eating. It's not a matter of uh, uh, when it's going to, or if it's going to be when. And today, the most beautiful part of this whole program that just makes me cry is just the sponsorship that we get to do and that we get to help others. You know, I always thought that I was pretty selfless, but really it was always about me those 24 years. And today, it's so much more about you and how can I be of maximum service today? And I do that. I heard this recently in a meeting. You know, God is shining this light. A lot of the times we think as sponsors, we're holding the light and keeping it bright for those that are in the dark and can't see. But it's actually God doing that light. And we're the window. And my window can get pretty dirty if I'm not doing this like my life depends on it. And then it can get really bad because I can pull the shade shut. And then that sunlight of the spirits cut off and I have no message to carry. And I just pray to just be keeping doing the service and helping others because so many are still out there in this pain, in this desperation. And I love it when they're desperate. You know, are you out of ideas? Are you willing to go to any lengths for victory? Because until that point and that time comes, to me, I was still always in the control. I had that 1%, but that 1% is going to kill me. I got to let go. I got to be out of ideas. So thank you. Thank you, Ginger C. And thank you, everyone, for turning for a brief convention promo. We are hosting a convention just the way A Vision for You likes it, The Power of the Big Book, a weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and fellowship. Have you registered to get your seat? September 15th through the 17th, 2017, at the Liberty International Airport Marriott Hotel and Convention Center is where this fantastic event will be held. And all the details can be found on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. Now let's get back to this compelling big book study and sharing. Thank you so much. Who else would like to comment on paragraph 1 and 2, page 34? Star 1 to unmute. Laura P. Hi, Laura P. Terry H. Terry H. 
Leah M. Sherry KB. Leah M. Sherry KB. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Nice lineup. I have Laura P., Carrie H., Leah M., and Sherry KB. Hi, Laura. Hi, I'm Laura P. Go ahead. I may have stepped on your toes. Okay, thanks. I'm Laura P. Uh, I'm a newcomer. And um, I'm not quite um, ready to say I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, But I, I can say that I am definitely at step one and I feel powerless over food. Uh, which feels really difficult to say, actually. Um, When I hear that reading, I definitely resonate with the feeling of uh, powerlessness and feeling like sometimes I have control and sometimes I don't, and it really feels baffling um, to feel like I have control sometimes and that other times I, I can't. Um, the good thing is I have faith in the steps because I came from another program and I saw the power of how they worked in my lives um, and my life in that area of my life and um, how how it kind of worked was as soon as I got things handled pretty much and got to my seventh step in that program, this program really came up to show me that I I needed it. Um, So here I am. I'm at step one. I'm still looking for a sponsor. I started doing some reading, and I've been doing outreach calls, um, and I'm going to meetings and and doing phone meetings. And I still feel very confused and... Um, kind of numb around my eating. I just feel like I have no connection to food right now. I really don't know what I want to eat. Um, half the time, half the time I feel totally connected and I know exactly what I want, and the other half the time I feel just totally um, blocked and unaware of what what to eat and what um, not to eat. So when when I hear people talking about abstinence, it's like I have no idea because at this point I don't even have an idea on what foods um, are trigger foods for me. Another thing I've been hearing, which I really have no idea about. But I'm grateful to be here and listening to everybody and really grateful to hear um, that there is a solution and that people are getting miracles and their lives are changing because I really want that to happen, but I'm not uh, feeling that hope yet. So um, thanks for letting me share.
Melanie, star one to unmute. Oh, thank you so much. And I just want to tell everyone that there is an opportunity and an invitation at the end of the meeting for newcomers, so stick around for that. Hi, Terry H., you're next. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Terry H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Um, yeah. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or the wish. You know, this was definitely true for me once I was, you know, when I was in my disease and I was ready, you know, I was there. And, you know, so many times my self-will efforts failed. You know, my only abstinence efforts failed. The many resolutions that I made failed. Many, many things I tried, definitely. Um, and, you know, it was, it was just impossible. Um, I alone am powerless. You know, I came to the realization that I am powerless over compulsive overeating, bulimia, anorexia. My life was so unmanageable. It was chaotic, insane. Um, when I, you know, asked someone to be my sponsor, a recovered person to be my sponsor, you know, I realized I have an allergy to certain foods. And when I picked up those foods, I could not predict what I would do or when I would put them down. In my mind, I had an obsession of the mind. Um, when I was abstinent, I was constantly obsessing about food, constantly obsessing about my food behaviors. Um, and so as I wa- worked through those steps, um, put, put it, after I put those foods down for a period of time and worked through those steps, you know, with a recovered sponsor, you know, I was able to surrender to a power greater than myself to help me, to take over because I was powerless. I could not do it alone. I needed something greater than myself to help me get through that. I was the worm in the mud crawling around, and anything above that mud was a higher power. And, you know, today working those steps and clearing those blocks, clearing out that mud, clearing out all that yuck between uh, me and my higher power just helped me to grow in my recovery. You know, today as a recovered woman, I'm continuously seeking guidance from my higher power. I cannot do this alone. It's tough. Some days are tough, you know, but the difference is I'm working these steps and I'm working these principles in other areas of my life and my higher power is there working, working right alongside with me. You know, I am not, you know, food doesn't call to me, but some days my disease whispers to me. I will always have my disease. I will never be cured. However, you know, today I am recovered. And um, I am very grateful for that because my goal is to definitely to be of maximum service to my higher power, not to tarry, not to other people, people, places, and principles, but maximum service to my higher power. And working my program is part of that. And thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Terry H. Leah M., you're next. Thank you, Melanie. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
it just hits me at the core, you know, our disease, its seriousness. Um, you know, I had the utter inability to leave it alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish because I had the necessity at a quite a young age, I mean, with medical consequences. You know, I was obese. Uh, I had high cholesterol. I was barely in my 20s. I had high blood pressure. There was shortness of breath. I had the wish. I mean, I knew, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, participating in other social events. There was the isolation. There was the deep depression. There was suicided thinking. I was suffering. There was mental torture. I couldn't stand being in my own skin. There was emotional turmoil. I mean, every day it was like I buckled up for another ride on a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I was in a lot of pain, and it was day in, and it was day out, and at night, you know, I'd be crying real tears. What is wrong with me? Why do I eat like this? Why can't I stop? And I would swear, you know, I'm going to change. I'm not going to eat like this tomorrow, you know, and I would make promises. And, you know, the next day, more often than not, it would be the next day, like 10 a.m., you know, (laughs) I'd pick up that first bite and I'd be off to the races. And this happened thousands and thousands and thousands of times I stopped. You know, and I'm not stupid. I'm relatively bright. I have a decent memory. You know, the big book teaches if you burn your hand on a hot stove, which I have done accidentally numerous times, I remember that pain. You know, and I do not deliberately put my hand on that hot stove to see if it will burn my flesh again because. I remember the pain and suffering of that. Now, binge foods and compulsive overeating has burned me over and over and over and over and over again, but for some strange reason, left to my own devices and left to my own resources, I can't remember what compulsive overeating, what dipping my hand in the bag in the bakery box does to me. All I can think about is what it's going to do for me. And when I said I wasn't going to act like that, and when I said I wasn't going to do like that, and when I said I wasn't going to eat like that anymore, I really, really meant it. And then I ate again, and again, and again, and again, and this is what it meant for me to be a real compulsive overeater. Allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. My allergy of the body, bad problem. But that's not why I'm doomed. I'm doomed because I have this mentalist obsession that forces me, shoves me, pushes me back to pick that first bite up all over again. And I had thought, wrapping up, I had thought I was making a decision merely choosing to change my mind, but after year, after year, after year, after year, I finally saw the truth. I wasn't changing my mind. I was compelled to pick up that first bite beyond my ability to control it. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Leah M. And Sherry KB, you'll take us out with this meeting on your share. Thank you. Good morning, Melody. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California. Great for recovered compulsive by reader. Thank you for your service, Melanie. Um, I loved what everybody shared. Um, you know, for those of who are unable to drink moderately, question is how to stop altogether. And um, I thought I could stop. My disease will tell me I can stop. I can do this. I don't need you. I don't need anybody else. I can do this. But yet I can remember I had this vivid memory of deciding to go on the big diet on Monday and getting all through the day so proud of myself. And then as I'm driving home, it's as if something took over me, over control of myself, my car, my steering wheel, and steered me into a parking lot. 
and as I sat outside, I, I started beating on my on my um, wheel of my car, of my my you know the whatever the dashboard, saying, "What am I doing here? Why am I doing this again?" And it was just I was taken over by something, like I was being totally controlled. And I'll never forget that feeling, and then getting those items, and then crying as I was eating them, because I couldn't couldn't help myself. I couldn't stop. And, you know, I would beat myself up because I'd say, what's the matter with you? You know, you can do stuff in so many areas of life. Why can't you do this? What is your problem? Why can't you do this? Something is wrong with you. And I would just beat myself over and over and over again. But I didn't know I had a twofold illness, a mental obsession of the mind and a physical allergy of the body. And this is what it's describing. It's telling me that unless I get um, a, a power greater than myself, I won't be able to quit. I won't be able to do I will never stop. And and it says there's a, I had this urge to want to quit forever, but I found it impossible. Um, and without a higher power, without this program, without the steps, without having my nose in this book, working the steps, working with others, living in 10, 11, and 12, I can't do this alone. And I was the type that always thought I could do anything. And this beat me to a bloody pulp, as been said before. And without this, without you guys, I can't do this. But my full reliance needs to be on a power greater than myself. And I I do have had so many times for the desire to stop. And I stopped so many times. But then I had so many times where I started where I couldn't stop from starting. And so to me, it's like look at the record. Look Look at your own inventory. That's what I had to do. And I also had to cease fighting it because I had the utter inability to leave it alone. And without a higher power, I can't do this. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB, and thank you, one. Thank you to everyone that shared today, and stay with us because we will gather information on available sponsors and newcomer greeting contact information. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a Serenity Prayer. Will Sherry KB please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I'll be right there. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you have, find, and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.